Here we go. The Earth Fox Podcast. Welcome to the Earth Fox Podcast. With 404. Missing link. Yeah, he's a great man, by the way. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And visit us at vox404.com. Enjoy the show. I am highly caffeinated, highly caffeinated this morning. And I even put, uh, I, so I make, all right, my wife likes a little bit of sweet and her coffee. And I do too, but sugar's bad for you. It's extra bad for me. And the thing about the homemade, or not the homemade, but the, uh, the store-bought creamers is like the number one ingredient is canola oil or, or soybean oil or something that's horrible for your body that you shouldn't be ingesting at all. But thanks to our wonderful uh, Food and Drug Administration, which I actually called the Federal Drug Administration a couple of weeks ago and was really embarrassed when I listened back <laughs> and realized, oh, I called it the Federal Drug Administration. What an idiot. That's funny. But my wife found some of this uh, pre-made, you know, store-bought creamer that's actually cream and sugar and like whole ingredients. And I was like, okay, yeah, awesome. You know, because I totally give her shit when she is, you know, drinking all the, the bad stuff. And I was looking at the ingredients and it's vanilla creamer, but not like vanilla isn't even ingredient on the back of the bottle. And that got me thinking Uh-oh. like, okay, if they're, if they don't, because the, the regulations from our wonderful food and drug administration are that if there's under a certain amount of a certain ingredients in the product, you don't have to put it on the label. So I'm immediately skeptical. Oh, and I realized, wait a minute, if it's just cream and sugar, I can make that myself. And so I did. And it's fucking awesome. It, all I do, here's the recipe. Ready? Get your pins. It's uh, one liter of cream. Like, I, I literally took the bottle of the old stuff that she used when it was empty and measured out this ratio. I just, I dumped a little half and half in the bottle to make sure I get the ratio right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's about a liter of cream, then one cup of powdered sugar, and I haven't gotten the... Uh, the ratio of, of vanilla or like the measurement just right. But I think if you, if you do like a tablespoon of vanilla or even a teaspoon, you know what? Season to taste. It's always super irritating yeah. when I, when Season I read to taste. Yeah. I like that with like, vanilla. That's so good. I don't know how to do that. Just tell me how much to put in. That's usually my, <laughs> my general sentiment when I'm, when I'm reading recipes and Oh my God, by the way, reading recipes, my ADD is in full swing this morning. You're welcome. Oh, bro. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm loving the energy. Bring it, brother. Do you, do you know, I mean, you look up recipes online, right? Or you have before in the past. Yeah, yeah, of course. You yeah, know, right? it's, it's like a novel. It, they, they have a novel of, so there I was sitting in my kitchen and I, had, <laughs> I was feeling the craving for egg salad sandwiches. And I, <laughs> I'm reading through this thing going, would you just get to the recipe? It's the same thing with YouTube videos. Yeah. All right, guys, welcome to this video. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, oh, my God, man, just tell me the answer to the question that yeah, I'm looking just up. Shut up. I, don't forget to smash that It's like a fucking 10-minute like video. Button. Yeah, yeah, a 10-minute video for 45 seconds yeah, it's of outrageous. information. I was really frustrated at YouTube this morning, though, because uh, uh, there were a bunch of developments with uh, – there was a Senate bill on, on the border. There was – you know, the immigration thing is it's yeah. How's that been going? Because, you know, we don't really hear about that in the UK. It's a Tell shit us all show. about it. It's an absolute oh, shit fuck, show. Really? And nobody wants to help. 
and there was a, a bill in the Senate that that passed and and Ted Cruz was uh, I guess this uh, Senate had a press conference or at, at least the Senate Republicans had a press conference yesterday, I think. And I'm looking through the the clip. I mean, I should just play it for you so that you can hear. I mean, I will. eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it cuts off in a terrible place. And so I was scouring YouTube and, you know, sort of uh, the rest of the Internet trying to find a clip that doesn't cut off so early. And I failed. And that just further reinforces <laughs> uh, my belief that the important information gets suppressed by the gatekeepers, as we've been talking about over the last three weeks or so. The yeah, gatekeepers. The, the only information you get is the Im- information that's approved. And uh, it's kind of crazy. My wife and I, as we, uh, we work out every other day, and yep. we've been working through uh, the Harry Potter films, starting with number one, moving all the way oh, up to, great. I think we just finished uh, The Order of the Phoenix, which is number five or number six. Oh, but that's such a good one, too. It's the one where uh, Hogwarts gets taken over by uh, yeah. the, the bad guys, basically, yeah. and, and Professor Umbridge is uh, she like kicks out Dumbledore and becomes the headmistress of Hogwarts. And she's yeah, a total yeah, yeah, tyrant. Yeah. My wife yeah. and I are watching this movie, looking at each other going, this is like American politics right now. <laughs> this lady that is, that just brutalizes the students and tortures them and gives yeah. them no, and yeah, it's yeah. just, it's literally the definition of tyranny. And <laughs> who would be Professor Umbridge like in American politics? God, well, that's that's the crazy thing is Pro- <laughs> Professor Umbridge is like the shadow government. Oh, yeah. To be fair, you're not wrong because she is. Oh, I, I actually won't spoil it. It's oh, that's yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. We don't want to spoil it for anybody that hasn't. Yeah, yeah I, I'm not I'm not I'm not going to say it. actually to be fair. These films have been out for like 10 years. So yeah, no kidding. But Umbridge <laughs> is like sh- she's like the general. um personality she's the general personality of the biden regime uh un unfeeling uh laser focused on the agenda and the agenda is it's quickly becoming and and i think this is why so many americans are are wising up to what's actually happening on the southern border is because it's becoming increasingly difficult for the biden administration to deny that this border crisis is uh, a- accidental or, or not deliberate. And Mike Johnson just released, uh, he put out a press release of uh, the 64 times that the Biden administration intentionally undermined border security. And on January 20th, 2021, his uh, inauguration day, he put out one, two, three, four, five, six executive orders. Number one, President Biden terminated the national emergency at the southwest border. Proclamation 9844. I got to zoom this in. My eyes are getting old. Thereby halting emergency construction of a border wall. Biden issued an executive order further entrenching the unlawful deferred action for childhood arrivals. That they call it DACA, D-A-C-A. With his action, President Biden directed the Secretary of Homeland Security in consultation with the Attorney General to preserve and fortify DACA, signaling to, you know, these are all the, the buzzwords. 
Well, what did he mean by that? Oh, well, I don't know. You'll have to ask him. Signaling to illegal aliens that his administration supports amnesty and that illegal aliens need not fear coming to the U.S. or worry about immigration enforcement. He also unveiled the U.S. Citizenship Act, which would provide amnesty to millions of illegal aliens in the U.S., demonstrating intent to reward illegal border crossers with a path to citizenship. Yeah, boy, that's going good. (laughs) Outrageous. Um, He revoked Trump-era executive order that was designed to ensure there was meaningful enforcement of U.S. immigration laws. The administration issued an executive action ending limitations and restrictions against immigration from certain countries associated with terrorism. The Biden administration announced a 100-day moratorium on deportations and immigration enforcement, effectively providing amnesty to criminal and other removable aliens. Wow. And sending the signal the Biden administration would not enforce the law. The administration, how has he justified that? How indeed. And, and not, this was all under the radar. This was day one. You know, everybody was excited about the inauguration. Trump was still on the tip of everyone's tongue. Oh, this is, this is, this is four years ago? January 20th, 2021. Wow. Every, everything that I've gone through. That was all day one. Then on February 1st, uh, DHS Acting Secretary Pekoski implemented a policy requiring a new, quote, process that shall provide for assessments of alternatives to removal, but not limited to staying or reopening cases alternative forms of detention, custodial detention, whether to grant temporary deferred action or other appropriate action. So basically, DHS is going to help you come up with an excuse to stay in the country and not go back where you I love that from. so much. On February 2nd, Biden issued executive order 14010 and began processing asylum claims at the border. In the executive order, the president also signaled an end to the migration protection protocols, known as remain in Mexico, while making other statements signaling an open border. I have a uh, clip from Brett Weinstein that we'll we'll play it a little bit later uh, because it will be more in context as we go through this. Okay. Where he describes the border security of the other nations in South America. (laughs) and how they willingly let the migrant caravans through because they know that these people aren't trying to stay in their country. And were that the case, they would be denied entry. The way the asylum laws are supposed to work internationally, uh, as I understand it, is if you're fleeing political persecution, once you enter a country where you're no longer fleeing that political persecution, you are obligated to satisfy your asylum requirements in that country, not the country of your choosing. Yeah, that's one of the arguments we have a lot in the EU is because a lot of our asylum seekers go, you know, they get to Italy from Africa and then they travel all the way through Europe to get to the UK. That's one of the major arguments. But unfortunately, well, I wouldn't say unfortunately, fortunately, whatever. The way it works is it's not grounds for deportation uh, if you determine that they could have had asylum somewhere else. You still have to take them. 
I guess I mean, I guess that's sensible in in like uh, resource management sort of mindset. They brought themselves all the way there. Like why? You you can't just kick them to the next country because you don't want them. But that's the same sort of argument that you could make with all of the other countries that let the people pass through. Yeah, it's one of those. It's one of those. I think um, you can say, you know, let's let's deter people from coming all the way through Europe to get to the UK, or all the way through South America to get to the US. But I do think it would be a misstep to spend taxpayer dollars to go out of your way to take the migrants that are asylum seekers and then send them, you know, back over to France or to Germany or to Italy again. You know, that's going to cost more money than it is just to process them. Yeah, it's, it's um, kind of like a lesser of two evils, though. It, re- it really Especially- is, yeah. It's one of those things where, go, okay, they're obviously using this loophole or they're using this in a different way. You know, how can we get around this I, it's just one of those problems i think we have to work out well and in in the united states the problem today is yeah we're giving them thousands of dollars we're giving right. them bus tickets train tickets plane tickets yeah uh lodging in hotels yeah cell phones um yeah. you ba- basically they're they're coming here and they're being treated like kings or tourists and there's no end in sight. Uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of fucked. I, I'm always blown away when you guys, well, when you talk about the immigration situation, because it's so hard for us to understand over in, in Europe, because we just don't get this information, right? Um, but for our process, when, when you're an asylum seeker or some kind of immigrant or anything, you go into a detention phase. You're not in jail or anything. It's not like a detention thing. But you, you have to go to that so that you can process your asylum claim. You don't get to just walk out into the open world in the UK. You have your asylum claim processed by a judge in a court, and then after that, you then can start working and go on your merry way. But it sounds like, I mean, correct me, yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like in America, you can just hop over the border and Joe Biden says, all right, go for it. That is exactly what's been happening. And there's, there's oh, actually crazy. evidences of that in, in this press release. One of the yeah. big things that is uh, repeated over and over again, or at least a handful of times in this press release, is uh, talking about Title 42. And Title 42 is one of those things, like, I didn't realize what it was until this week. And it's one of those things that they keep talking about over and over again. Oh, he's going to end Title 42. How could he end Title 42? He doesn't want Title 42, you say? The horror. And then I'm reading through this. <laughs> I'm, I'm learning what Title 42 is. And Title 42, now, I'm not completely uh, dismissive of this policy. Okay. But Title 42 was a COVID-era policy that said we need to test these people uh, for, you know, infectious diseases. And then we can dismiss them based on Title 42. So all the Republicans freak out about letting sick people into the country, which I understand. But for yeah. me, it doesn't measure up to the level of hysteria that was pushed out there. It, and that's mainly because it feels like, like knowing what I know now, 
and referring in my memory back to the things that I've heard over the past few months. To me, it feels like a narrative that is meant to incite panic or outrage in, in yeah, the conservatives sure. that care. And, and that's, that's what diminishes it for me. It's like, oh, exactly. You're just you trying think about to like how many about something. Yeah, like if you think about how many immigrants you guys get a year, right? Let's say net migration for you guys is what, six, seven hundred thousand? You know, that's coming in, that's after people leaving as well. You know, for us, it's about the same. You know, net migration about six hundred thousand. Um, compare that to tourism, right? I mean, tourism yeah. in the US must be huge. Yeah. Yeah, we probably so get more gonna... tourists than migrants for sure. Fuck yeah, you do. You you guys probably have a few million people visit Las Vegas. I'm gonna as, pull as it just up. a general. Yeah, yeah. Pull it up while I'm talking. But all I'm saying is, it doesn't make sense to have checks. You know, if someone's gonna have a viral disease or something, if they're coming to live in the U.S., when you've got so many more people coming via tourism that wouldn't go through that check. So I don't understand what the difference is. It, are they coming to live here, and that somehow makes them more infectious than a tourist? that's something that you can have an argument about. I, I, I would be very surprised if that's the case. Uh, so that policy just seems kind of weird. Um, I understand their thought pattern. They don't want pe to let people in the country that have infectious diseases and spread them within the nation. But if that was really a concern, then you would do that on tourism and you would do that whether there was a coronavirus or a normal virus at all, if it was a real problem. It's obviously not a real problem. Because if you started to test everyone coming to your country for some kind of disease, no one would visit anymore. Because who wants to go on holiday somewhere and be fucking constantly tested if you've got a cold or a flu or a virus or whatever the fuck? I mean, it's ridiculous. And what happens? You have to stay in quarantine or something for like a week while they, while they test you or something? Or if, if you are found to have a virus, what do you do? Do you go back in the plane? Do you fucking go home? I don't understand. That's a really strange... Um, policy to have. Well, they already uh, make they already make traveling so difficult as it is. Yeah, and yeah, and I swear it's a psyop. I was talking with a guy yesterday about traveling and and you know flying anywhere and how it's such a pain in the ass and it's such an yeah. exercise in in misery. Like it it strikes me as a psyop. Like why do they have to make it so difficult? Why do they have to make it so miserable? <laughs> yeah. Like you know, like you were talking yeah, yeah, about yeah. Uh, the other week. The first, the first thing they do is, all right, fingerprints. You're, you're basically a criminal. You're just a criminal Bro, that hasn't crazy. committed crime yet. Uh, why? Like, what's? Are, there's so much. There's so many less aggressive, less intrusive ways that they could screen people. It, yeah, for sure. It and seems you like know, look at the look at the EU. They don't fucking do that in the EU, you know. And if you're an EU citizen, that's where the terrorists come from. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Someone from Paris has got like a uh, a timed explosive inside a croissant or something. Uh, you got to watch <laughs> out for those. <laughs> but you know, in in the EU, if you're a citizen, you can go to whatever country you like. You know, if you drive, you don't even have to show your passport. Now, you say that to American citizens, like you're trying to drive from Canada to the U.S. They're like, right. You know, any, yeah. anything. <laughs> it, it, they're like, OK, show us all your shit. Cavity search, fingerprints, the whole fucking nine. 
Um, so you guys are like really crazy about that. And I don't see the be- like, is there any, is, have you guys prevented any situations from being that hardcore in terms of your security? Well, I'm sure they would claim, but yeah. I wouldn't, I also wouldn't believe them. Man, yeah. I'm, I'm not finding anything on this, on these tourism, tourism, uh, statistics. It's all in dollar amounts. Oh, but not, not a number of people coming through. It's very, it's very hot button issue. It, you know, it's one of those things that I, I uh, have it here on Statista. You do? Excellent. I have it. Yes. In 2022, there were 50 million international visitors to the U.S. Where's my Statista, Brave? See, this is because you're, you're, <laughs> you're on Google, right? Yeah, you're on Google. And I'm on the yeah. stupid ass Brave browser. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Th- this is the price I pay. I mean, really, the only reason that I use it anymore is because it's got the built-in ad blocker. So, oh, that's kind of good. That's kind of good. Yeah, I, I do. I mean, that's why I keep coming back because I've tried. So, you know, I, I have an iPhone and I've, oh, I try yeah, using Safari. This, I mean, Apple stuff is so great. Don't get me started. I don't want to talk about an evil company that I love. All right. <laughs> it is good, though. It is it's one of the only com- one of the only mega companies that actually gives a shit about privacy, though. They really seem to. And I really appreciate that. And you know what's funny? To digress even further. Yeah, sure. There was that story that came out uh, years ago. Some, some terrorist, was it, it might have been the, that Florida nightclub uh, terrorist attack that happened several years ago. I think it was Trump era. Well, there were people sort of adjacent to this terrorist that they were trying, you know, they were pumping for information and they had iPhones. And they yeah. were trying to crack in. They wanted to get into the iPhone to get the messages and find out what, you know, they were, what they knew. And if they in any way facilitated the attack, aided and abetted or anything like that. And so they went to Apple and said, hey, you need to open up these phones for us so that we can invade the privacy of these people. And Apple said no. And that was what did it for me. I was like, wow. Yeah, they, they were, they, they. They made that quite public, didn't they? They were like, nah, we're not going to do that. Now, I must caveat. It could all be a bunch of bullshit. Like with the, uh, the, ask, the ask app not to track button that pops up when you install a new app on your phone. Like, you, it's, it's what well, he's politely, please, sir, don't track my activity across <laughs> multiple apps. Uh, and what they just say, nah, we're going to track your activity because that's how we make our money. Yeah, uh, unless you live in California or the EU, they, they don't really have to do anything. In the EU, if the apps track you anyways, they can get in a lot of trouble. But elsewhere, it's whatever. Well, that's good to know. And that's, I mean, that just further reinforces my uh, uh, affinity or uh, loyalty to Apple and Mac products. Because yeah, for they're, sure. they're at least trying. Yeah, for sure. Like, if you have an Android or a Samsung phone, you're, you're fucked. I mean, you, you are fucked. Like, you have spyware. And what really sucks phone. is that there's only those two options. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's you either have an Apple device or you have a Google yeah. device. Because Samsung and yeah. LG and, like, all the other, like, iPhone competitors, they all have Google products. Yeah, they all, they all have Android, which is a great piece of software. 
Yeah, agreed. but it, it is also um, it sends a lot of data back to Google on user analytics and stat- statistics and stuff like that, which Google one hundred percent uses to make their products better. Um, well, and that's clearly, fine. and clearly they are better because I, uh, I mean, I so I I started using this the Safari browser, which is the built-in browser on your on your iPhone, and yeah, yeah, I get inundated with all the ads. And I ugh, just quick go get me back to to brave, but I think yeah, I'm gonna have so to start I have a solu- using. I have a solution for you. I have oh, a solution for you. Please, on the App Store, you can download an app called BlockBear, and that is a Safari extension that blocks ads for you. Awesome. Is it BlockBear like Teddy Bear? Yeah, I awesome. use it. I've been using it for a year. It's fucking great. It there blocks you go. all the ads. BlockBear, uh, not a yeah, yeah, not a sponsor. Not but, a sponsor. A not a sponsor. Product. But a uh, but a uh, but a great thing, uh, yeah. Hook because it up, I was looking bear. for that as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. Yeah, where's the sponsorship right now? Um, but it's completely free, so I don't know what money they'd pay us. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. <laughs> so uh, to the point, or or returning loosely to the point. Yeah. Statista on on my on my Brave search results, so I punch in tourism to U.S. per year, and I get Wiki- Wikipedia, and then a bunch of random worlddata.info dreambigtravelfarblog.com oh wow condorfairies.co.uk no statista no statista and this is my frustration with brave and it was also my frustration when i was trying to find these clips of of ted cruz talking about this uh immigration bill yeah that failed in the senate it, it it cuts off in this really weird place, uh, but it's still good, engaging info. Check it out. Everyone here also supported a leadership challenge to Mitch McConnell in November. Uh, I think a Republican leader should actually lead this conference and should advance the priorities of Republicans. And McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader. I can tell you what I said when we had that leadership election in November of 2022. It was right after a very disappointing election. 2022, the wind was at our back. It should have been a phenomenal Republican election year. Republicans should have won the Senate. We should have won a big majority in the House. Instead, we lost a seat in the Senate, and we barely got a majority in the House. And, and I stood up and said, look, in any ordinary organization, when you f- are faced with failure, if you're running a business and you lose $50 million, you don't just say, hey, everything's great, let's keep doing it. No, you sit down and say, what are we doing wrong? And at that meeting, I turned to Mitch McConnell then, and I said, look, we spent the last two years with a group, a handful of Republicans joining with Democrats to pass the Democrat agenda. And I said, maybe that's a good idea. I, I don't think it is, but someone could make the argument that's a good idea. I'll tell you, it's one-sided. You know who doesn't do that? The Democrats. In 2017 and 2018, when we had a Republican president, Republican Senate, Republican House, not one single time did a group of Democrats join with the Republicans to pass the Republican agenda. So we're the only ones who do it. But I turned to Mitch then and I said, is there anything? What are we willing to fight on? What are you willing to fight on? Is there anything you're willing to draw a line in the sand and say, pounding on the podium? And he refused to answer that question now. And that's why we're in this mess, because this was a plan that was designed to lose. 
and that's it. <laughs> wow. You see what but I you mean? What? Like you're so, I mean, yeah. he, he, he sucked me in. He sucked me yeah. in so hard with his passion and, and his great way of speaking. He, he ran for president against Donald Trump in, in 2016. And, and he had a lot of support. A lot of people I know really liked him. Yeah, he him. did. But he's, you know, we were talking about that about two weeks ago, weren't we? About the fact that the Democrats are much more professional and much more aligned on the same uh, issues. And that really is and, like it, it, it is a leadership issue. I was yeah, just yeah, yeah. I was just telling my buddy this yesterday. Nancy Pelosi, when she led the Democrats in Congress, they all marched in lockstep or they got dragged hard and their funding was thrown into question. Their committee yeah. positions were thrown into question. There is a hard line that you do not cross if you're a Democrat. That line yep. does not exist with Republicans. And that's why we can't accomplish anything. No, it's, it's quite impressive. It, it, even if you say, I don't like the Democrats, that's fine. But you can't, you can't say you can't respect the way that they lead that party. Uh, well, then this Nancy is why Pelosi, they kick our ass you know, yeah. on, on everything. That's, it's That's exactly saying, why man. they kick our ass on everything. Because, yeah. I mean, and, and it's a terrible thing. It's, it's not the way politics should be, get, should be done. Because Democrats don't represent their constituents. They represent an agenda. And they push that agenda whether or not their constituents believe in it or not. But Republicans just got embarrassed again. Because, and, and, and this is one of the things that Mitch McConnell, or not Mitch McConnell, Ted Cruz was speaking to in regards to Mitch McConnell, this bill that just uh, failed in the Senate or, or came out of the Senate and is doomed to fail in the House was put forward by Senate leader or Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell and Senate Democrat leader Chuck Schumer. Here with reaction, Texas Senator Ted Cruz. Senator, um, I saw your comments about Mitch McConnell, rightly. I think you're very angry with him. Um, Rand Paul, did you hear the same thing he heard, that he didn't want people like me getting the information about the bill? Did you hear that? I, I did. And this whole thing has been a disaster from the very beginning. It's been a disaster on policy and it's been a disaster on politics. On policy, this bill is terrible. It is an absolute, it is a bill that Chuck Schumer wanted that is designed not to secure the border, not just not to secure the border. It's designed to make it worse. So this bill, as you noted, it codifies Joe Biden's open borders. Catch and release, the cause of this crisis, it codifies catch and release. It puts it into the law. Not only that, it normalizes 5,000 illegal immigrants a day. That works out to 1.8 million a year. That works out to about 6 million illegal immigrants over the three years of Biden. We have, in fact, seen 9.6 million illegal immigrants. So, so the idiotic Republican proposal was, let's be for two-thirds of the border invasion that Biden has allowed. That made no sense. Not only did it put it into law, 1.8 million every year in perpetuity, but it also put into law giving those illegal immigrants work permits, giving them lawyers paid for by the taxpayers. It gave billions of dollars to sanctuary cities to keep their policies going, and it gave billions of dollars to left-wing nonprofit organizations that are bringing the illegal uh, immigrants in. So it funds the process. And I'll tell you the provision that just is a Texan that pissed me off the most. <laughs> 
it, it went directly after the state of Texas and it said any litigation filed challenging this law has to be filed in Washington, D.C. in federal district court. So Texas can't sue in the federal courts in Texas, where Texas has been winning. Instead, they got to go to Washington with the very liberal judges. This was a disaster on policy grounds because it did not solve the problem. Furthermore, there is a, a, an article in there that said Secretary Mayorkas has uh, unfettered power to determine what happens on the border. And this power is unreviewable. What was the, uh, I, I got to pull it up because I, I just, the, the language of the article was so egregious. It, my, my initial reaction was who could possibly vote for something like this? Whenever the border emergency authority, this is straight from the bill, is activated, the secretary shall have the authority in the secretary's sole and unreviewable discretion to summarily remove from and prohibit in whole or in part entry into the United States of any alien identified in subsection A3, yada, yada, yada. Sole and unreviewable discretion, bro. That is not how politics works in the United States. You don't give you don't give anybody sole and unreviewable discretion. That's why there's three branches of government. Because they are the checks and balances over the other branches of government. It's absolutely outrageous. Yeah, let's unreviewable get back to, is crazy. Let's get back to Ted. But politically, it was even worse. Who won in this battle? And, and his name is Charles Schumer. Chuck Schumer did this. He knew it would fail. He wanted it to fail. But the purpose of this bill was to let every Democrat running for the Senate and running for the House to stand up and say, self-righteousness, I, I wanted to secure the border. I really wanted to. But those mean Republicans wouldn't let me. And I got to say, Senate Republican leadership, I told them this months ago. Other conservatives told them this months ago, and they proceeded down this, this path that ended up, it was a box canyon with a kamikaze pilot crashing into a wall. It was a disaster, and it was entirely avoidable because what happened is Republican leadership ended up benefiting Chuck Schumer and the Democrats and doing nothing to secure the border. So many Republicans have said that this bill is dead on arrival, House Republicans, I should say. However, they've been embarrassed again with their impeachment of the guy that's responsible for all this crap, the guy that the Democrats and Senate Republicans want to give sole and unreviewable authority to regarding uh, migrants coming across the border. They failed in their impeachment effort. Now, we knew that this effort was going to fail in the Senate, but they also failed in the House. And now I guess there's some stipulations, some red tape, some loopholes that, are, that will allow them to bring the impeachment vote uh, to the floor again. But once again, the Democrats all vote against it. And even some Republicans vote against it because the leadership in the Republican side of the House is that we do whatever we want. There, there, there are probably 70% 
of the population that is concerned with what is happening at the border. 70% of the country is not Republicans. Probably maybe 50%. And they don't all vote. I mean, of what, what would you say? 25% of the Republicans may go and vote in the country? I mean, th- those half of the country wouldn't even consider themselves Republicans. Half of the country doesn't even pay attention to what's happening in politics from day to day yeah, yeah, or even yeah, year yeah. to year. But we can't even hold the man responsible, accountable for what is happening. Because the reality is there is too much to gain by these scumbag politicians with an open border. Yeah, for real. I, 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 if I was the Re- Republican Party, I'd be intensely scared. They need to become more professional. They need to get their wits about them. Because someone like Donald Trump is going to come along. He's going to win. And then he's going to realize he doesn't need the Republicans because either the Republicans are too unprofessional and too scattered to deal uh, with running a country um, or they don't serve his interests anymore. And then the Republican Party becomes nothing because people that are more conservative that think like Donald Trump will vote for him and his party or they'll vote for something else that they believe in. And then, you know, that vote on the right-hand side is completely fragmented. Meanwhile, the Democrats have this solidified voice on the left, or moderates or whatever. It's just, I don't know what's going on. They need to shake up their leadership if they're going to continue. You know, I think this election is a little bit interesting, just because of the situation, but you know, longevity-wise, how are they going to maintain after Trump? Okay, Trump has only got one term left in him, legally. So what are they going to do post that? That's what I'd be worried about. And right now, you've got people like Mitch McConnell. I mean, the dude should just get out the way. Uh, there's a lot of old people in politics. Democrats are even older. But um, at least the Dems are organized, man. It's really frustrating. Should we, should we hear what Mitch McConnell has to say about what, what Ted Cruz said to him? Yeah, sure. Let's hear it. He's right here on my YouTube page. Negotiate with Democrats. Said this bill was designed to fail, and that it's time for you to step down as GOP leader. What's your response to that? I think we can all agree that Senator Cruz is not a fan. The president came out and he pointedly put the blame on. Ah, that's enough. He's so arrogant. He 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 thinks he's so cool. Like he is the yeah, heel. He is the butt of everyone's joke. I mean, he, he's the guy that just glitched out on camera and yeah. had to be escorted off by his handlers. He's the guy. Yeah. He's the reason why we don't have a, a, a nice stable of up and coming Republicans, because he's just a puppet for the corporate and foreign interests that want to yeah. ruin the country. Yeah. I mean, look, look at what he did in COVID. He oversaw some of the largest uh, governmental spending of any government in the history of time. How it, conservative is that? It's never been more obvious that Mitch McConnell just does what he's told. And, and what a yeah. shame. Like, like, how shameful is that? Like, you're supposed to be a leader, but you're just a little bitch. 
You just do what you're told. You'd expect that from the Democrats, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and he's, he basic, for all intents and purposes, he is a Democrat. Because just like Ted Cruz said in that earlier oh, clip, see. he convinces other Republicans to vote with the Democrats on intense issues like this, like this border battle. And, and like, wh- wh- why do we even, we need a border bill because of the things that Joe Biden has been doing in regards to executive orders on the border of, of which yeah. I have another 50 that we could go through. And it's, it's really alarming. Uh, beyond the title 40, getting rid of the title 42, which I, as I said, is I think kind of a sensational uh, just argument yeah, it's, to make to whatever the executive orders around allowing uh, children about giving children a free pass just to come in. Now, this sounds great on the surface, right? Like, oh, those poor kids. And I don't deny, I don't disagree with the, oh, those poor kids sentiment. Mm -hmm. But what's really scary is we've lost 100,000 kids, just don't know what happened to them. Yeah, it's Joe Biden has removed restrictions on vetting the people that we hand the children over to. We, and we don't even know, because, bro, they, they ditch their IDs, these migrants, b- when they're in Mexico, before they approach the border. They throw their yeah, IDs what away. They, what do they need that for? So they're unidentifiable. Yeah, and then they, they, they say, no, no, this is my child. And I, I have no way, I have no documents to prove that that's my child. But, uh, oh, well, they could do a DNA test, right? Nope. Biden removed that regulation as well. But probably the most alarming is that they will classify 18, 19, and 20-year-olds as children. And this is just just for the people that they can actually verify their age. But they will say 18, 19, and 20-year-olds qualify as children so that they can benefit from these orders that are allowing all of these children to come in en masse. And why do they want kids so bad? Now, I'm not saying that we should turn these kids away, but why all of the executive orders saying, I mean, there, there is no policy. There has been no policy yeah. that said. It's oh, an easier if- pill to swallow, though, because if you're a Republican or if you're like going to go out on the press, if, you, if, you, if you're that guy that says, no, we shouldn't be letting the kids in. I mean, that's instantaneously unpopular. Oh, yeah. So it's a checkmate. It's a checkmate policy. It's a policy that basically you can't shoot down. Well, then this is why they bring the kids with them to begin with. Right, right. I mean, there, I, I believe that there are family units that all come together. But it's, it's a crazy concept. It's crazy. Yeah. Brett Weinstein let's went just, uh, on. Uh, let's just be clear, though. Let's just be clear, though. Go ahead. The real problem with all of this is the fact that basically no processing happens to any of the immigrants or asylum seekers as they hit the U.S. border. The, it, it doesn't really matter whether the person coming to the border is a terrorist, a child, a dad, a mother, an engineer, whatever it is. It doesn't matter in the U.K. They figure it out. Oh, you're on this list. You don't get to come in. Oh, you're a family of four. We can verify that. Okay, we'll do this. Oh, you're a young guy looking to work more. We can do this. That, 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 there's a process involved, at least. 
But in the U.S., there's nothing. So well, what and, in the hell is and going Biden on? Has been, Biden has been doing these things to remove the process. Like these executive orders yeah. are to remove. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he put out an executive order that says uh, we're going to give special treatment to different uh, gender and domestic relationships. And then they use that as a loophole to uh, expand eligibility to, oh, are you, uh, well, we can't let you in unless you're trans. Are you trans? Oh, you are trans? Well, come on in, buddy. We love trans people here. This is the place. But in uh, July 2021, uh, Border Patrol released 50,000 aliens without giving them a notice to appear. I, I want to stop calling them aliens, all right? Because it gives aliens a bad name. <laughs> uh, August 31st, 2021, Biden released over 100,000 aliens into the United States. Uh, and, they, and they get these notice to appear or notice to report. It used to be notice to appear, meaning you need to appear before a judge. Then they started yeah. saying, oh, well, you just have to report to uh, immigration services to, to, you know, confirm that you're still there, your information. Uh, but half of the people in that batch of 100,000 from August uh, 2021, half of those people didn't appear. Uh, earlier in July, when they released another 50,000 without giving them a notice to appear, 87% uh, of those failed to a uh, uh, report to immigration. So they, they let a bunch of people through. They pretend that they're trying to process them. And then Biden says, uh, no, let him go. And they load them on buses. They put them on planes and they send them further into the country. But it's not the people that are coming from Nicaragua and Colombia and Mexico, Panama. Brett Weinstein went on Tucker Carlson a couple of weeks ago. And he had some very alarming information to present. Uh, this is a pretty long clip, but we're just going to roll with. But what I was going to tell you about the fact that this migration doesn't appear to me to be just one thing is that we went to another camp called San Vicente. And everything in San Vicente is different than it was at Canaan Mambrio. San Vicente, first of all, it's not a town. This is a camp that is built as a transit camp. It's built of containers and various objects to house people. And it is almost entirely Chinese. Now, there were Chinese folks. Chinese? Chinese. That's a long way from China. It sure is. And what's more, <laughs> in this camp, the rule that you're able to go in and walk around and talk to people is not in evidence. The Senate front, the Panamanian border control, actually forbid us to go into the camp. So we had to stay on the outside of it. We were also forbidden to photograph it. So what photographs we have were uh, taken covertly. Um, but the most striking thing... Wait, may I ask, does, so is it the government of China? Do you believe that's funding this? I... Well, let me tell you the other thing I found, and then I think the answer to that will become clearer. 
outside of the San Vicente camp, the Chinese migrants are, um, you can interact with them. There are a couple of shops where they go to buy water or snacks or whatever. And so you can interact with them at those places. They are the opposite of forthcoming. They have no interest in talking to outsiders. And I've been to dangerous places before. I've been to places where people fear their government and can't talk to you because they feel it's not safe. This didn't feel like that at all. This felt like people who did not want to share information because it would be a mistake to do so. And what's more, there was an incident where Michael who has lived in China, he's been all over the world, and he started up or tried to start up a conversation with uh, a guy who claimed to be from Korea. And Michael tripped him up and got him to speak Chinese. And then there was uproarious laughter at the fact um, that he had tried to pull this caper on Michael. So it is not a friendly migration. These uh, Chinese folks who are overwhelmingly male, military age, there are women present. I realized only this morning that in thinking back, I saw few, if any, children in the Chinese migration. They were everywhere in the other places we visited, but they were not present, as far as I remember, in the, in the San Vicente camp. So, what I have pieced together, and this is a place where I'm going to speculate, this is a hypothesis, this is not a conclusion, but what I began to suspect was that the Chinese migration is actually being cloaked by the economic migration coming from South America, and that that um, is consistent with the observation that it has some different motivation. Now, I learned from Michael that the Chinese migrants in the San Vicente camp largely bypassed the Darien. They, because they have money, they, they can go by boat and they can skip most of the peril of the Darien Gap. And uh, in any case, it's a very different phenomenon. And to see it housed so separately is quite conspicuous. So the Darien Gap that he's talking about is this really treacherous stretch of of jungle and forest that is, uh, I think, like 60 miles long, where they just stopped building highway. And then 60 miles later, it resumes in, in Panama. Uh, but this is uh, allegedly the most treacherous part of the journey, and it's what deters many people from coming in. But apparently not the Chinese folks that need to get to San Vicente, which is in uh, El Salvador. I do not know what the rationale for this Can you estimate, be. do you have any sense of how many Chinese, these are Chinese nationals? They seem to be. How many did you see-ish? Talking 60 or 600 or? It's very hard to say because we were held at one edge of the camp. So I probably saw 150 faces, but the camp wow. is deeper 
Now, Michael does some drone reconnaissance, and he's also been to this camp many times. Um, he would definitely be the person to ask in terms of a, a good estimate for how many of these folks there are. But um, the, the degree to which this is not consistent with a... Well, let me back up a second. I regard the Chinese people as victims of an oppressive government that I fear for my own reasons. For sure. So I, there's nothing about the fact that these folks are Chinese that throws me. And if they were fleeing that government, um, I'm not sure what we should do about it, but I'm certainly supportive of their you desire. Would sympathy, I sure. would feel a great deal of sympathy. And in fact, I felt a great deal of sympathy for all of the other migrants um, that I met. But the sense of, it's really hard not to use the term hostility that I felt from the Chinese was particularly unsettling given that I know where they're headed, right? They're headed to the U.S. And j just to be totally clear on that point, this was not a, a work camp for a, you know, Chinese infrastructure project. And No, it, it, it was not. And um, what I know is taking place at the southern border of the U.S., um, makes this even more disturbing because although the controls at the southern border are still there for those of us who are crossing legally, the lack of any control for those who are crossing um, illegally is stunning. So if I may just compare, when I came back from Panama, I approached a kiosk with my passport ready to scan it. I didn't have to. A camera took my picture. And although I didn't know that my picture was about to be taken, I hadn't taken my hat off, I was wearing my glasses, um, the kiosk told me I didn't need to put my passport there. And then a customs officer behind me called my name, Brett. He said, do you have anything to declare? I said, no. He said, you're good to go. So we have technology that is capable of identifying a person um, with that level of ease to the point that they knew exactly who was coming through the border. But we are not apparently taking that information when people cross our southern border. What we're doing at most is asking them their name and their birth date and taking them at their word. But no biometric collection? Apparently not. Which means that, you know, even if this were simply a matter of our system being overwhelmed by migrants, you would at least want to collect that information so that if a troublemaker did come through, which is inevitable that they will, you could begin to figure out who it might be, right? So that, you know, they had an identity, even, even if it was just connected to biometric data, that would be useful, but we're not doing it. So um, what I think I saw, my hypothesis for what I think I saw is that there is an invasion taking place. You know, it's, it's not a sleeper cell because it's on the move, but I started to think of them as sleepwalkers. And there's also a massive migration and the migration is causing it, is causing us to have difficulty discussing the invasion, which is a distinct phenomenon. And, and different simply from desperate peasants from poor countries coming here for work. There was no desperation in evidence. And um, Michael also gave us a video, which I can't establish the origin of, but it, it is a Chinese cartoon uh, set to happy music of a migrant moving through Central America, changing modes of transportation. And it basically indicates here's the route you will travel. 
Now, was it produced by the CCP? I can't be certain of that, but that certainly is suggested that this is a, uh, a message about um, how to make this journey for what purpose, I don't know. But I do not believe that the people I encountered had left China without the knowledge of their government. I believe their government has some reason to, uh, to have facilitated. Now this cartoon that he's referring to, do you think if the CCP didn't want this to be circulating to Chinese nationals, and you can see, if you watch the interview, you can see the cartoon with the, uh, the text on the map. It's Chinese. It's Mandarin. Yeah. It's clearly made for Chinese people by yeah. Chinese people. Yeah. Does the CCP allow something like this to circulate if they're not involved? Probably not. The fact that we're able to see it um, says probably that it's not on Chinese social medias. I actually know a little bit about this story. I remember six months ago, I was researching this particular migration channel from China to the US. So do you, think, do you think if these people are freeing, fleeing yeah. the oppression yeah. of the CCP, yeah. that they are cold and dismissive to journalists asking questions? Or do you think they would just outright say, I'm, I'm fleeing oppression of the authoritarian regime that is the Chinese Communist Party? No, Chinese people do not talk about that. They do not talk about that. I they, think that the fact that they got caught setting up uh, police stations in the United States to go after Chinese nationals is pretty that, good evidence yeah, of that. It's yeah, exactly. Like the, it doesn't like if it, it, let's say you let's say, OK, because these Chinese people are, are not like regular people, by the way, that are fleeing. These are Chinese people with money. So these are business people. These are people with some level of authority. So the. They do not want anyone to even know that they're doing this. So the fact that Brett didn't get a very warm welcome from them is not surprising, considering that a normal immigrant or asylum seeker would be like, hey, look, please come help my cause. I want to get into the US. The Chinese citizen is like, I'm trying to escape China with all my money to go to the US where I can do something. And they, that, must, the they must know they're not safe. I mean, of course, you you would achieve a reasonable level of safety from the CCP when you reach the United States. Of course. So, but, I mean, much more than you would have on the inside of the CCP, which is the whole problem, by the way, because the reason why they're doing it that way is because getting your assets out of China is impossible now. Uh, you, it's very difficult to transfer money. You can't transfer assets in terms of companies or, or uh, housing. So you have to do it really, really um, sneakily. You have to do it in ways that the CCP can't see it. And so what you have to do, or quite, after, quite often what happens is they'll, they'll say they're going on holiday and then they'll go down somewhere and then do a connecting flight to South America and go through that way. And that's why the camps are a lot different. So the, they, they'll stay on the camp. But as, you, as he mentioned, they can go out and go to the shops and they spend their money. They spend their money in the local shops. In a lot of places like Panama, there are like Chinese restaurants now. And there are like Chinese stores where you can buy Chinese goods because so it, but the if locals want to make money. If, if you were uh, trying to hide, I mean, doesn't, doesn't the CCP have a level of influence? Where if 
these people, these Chinese migrants in San Vicente, yeah. were there inappropriately, according to the CCP. If they're not where mm-hmm. they said they were going to be, yeah, what sure. sort of action would China take against them? Would it just be something like, oh, well, wait till you get back and you're in big trouble or... We're going to okay, make so, your family that's still here in China miserable because of your misdeeds? For the CCP, this provides a very interesting situation because, remember, the CCP, unlike other governments, act very differently. If this was the U.S. and the U.S. was in the situation and those people were leaving, they would make a big public hoo-ha about it, just like Brett would probably uh, understand from a normal government. Why is the CCP not saying anything? Why are they not doing anything about this? What are their, you know, intentions? You are thinking like a Western civilization that think that that is all about publicity. You have to remember for the CCP to do anything about this, they first have to accept the fact that there's a problem, and then they have to tell someone else that the CCP has a problem. Now, the CCP is never going to do that. Okay. Their power comes from the perception of their power. And so if they say to people, there are wealthy Chinese people that are sneaking outside of China and moving to the US, and they want to persecute Panama for that and make that a public thing, dude, they are never going to fucking do that. So their best bet is to let them go and make sure nobody knows about it. Because in China, Chinese people will not know that these people are leaving. It won't be on WeChat. It won't be on any of their social media. It won't be on any of their news. Because if suddenly someone finds out that some guy with a little bit of money managed to escape China with all his money and go to the US, like everyone's going to fucking do that. Um, and China's not going to do that. The CCP is going to, you know, subdue and make sure that nobody fucking does that. Because the last thing that China wants is people leaving to go somewhere else. Like, why would they do that? They already have as much influence as they need. They don't need to send random people into an economy, like, discreetly. They can just pay someone in the country to work on their behalf. That works way better. For example, paying Nancy Pelosi like a donation to do something for, for the CCP is way better and way easier than sending a slightly wealthy business owner from China into the US to, to do something like that. It's just the dots don't connect. For me, this is wealthy Chinese people. They can't get their assets out of China anymore because of rule changes and regulations, and it's really stuck. So they use their money and influence to escape the country they don't want to talk to anyone about it because they don't want reprisals from the CCP um, because the CCP obviously monitor a lot of Western news channels. They probably have watched this interview with Brett intensely. Yeah. Um, and now uh, the CCP is like, okay, how do we mitigate people doing this at the same time as making sure that nobody knows that we know it's a problem? So that's what you got to think about in this situation, I think. When you put it that way, it almost seems like this narrative could be potentially beneficial to the CCP in terms of its influence over Western culture. You get all, you get all these Westerners in America going, oh my God, there's a military camp in San Vicente and they're sending people in with the migrants. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. When there's more speculation about this, I think it definitely serves the CCP than the reality, which is, you know, there's some semi-wealthy people trying to leave China by any means necessary. But doesn't, um, the, doesn't the CCP, I mean, they must know who these people are because they allowed them to leave to begin of with. Of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. So wouldn't they still be able to freeze assets and inflict misery on these people, whether or not they show up in an interview with Brett Weinstein? Yeah, there, there's an element of that. Um, unfortunately for the CCP, there is rampant corruption within their organization. And people that are wealthy enough to escape with all their money have probably paid people off in China so that they can do that. Um, if we're talking about a regular citizen, um, someone that just wants to leave normally, their ability to do that kind of thing is significantly reduced. Uh, but in China, there's a historical uh, corruption problem. Xi Jinping himself has acknowledged that amazingly and is doing a lot of work to crack down on local corruption because that's the, me that that's the huge uh, portion of that. So the CCP loves to put this facade out to everyone that they're a perfect organization of complete control. And while that is true to some degree, their corruption, their rampant Soviet-style corruption, allows these more wealthy figures to escape with very little impunity. And so the CCP, they'll probably end up finding out a little bit later that they've left because they've been paid off. You know, someone said, you know what, pay me $10,000 and I'll stamp your passport or I won't stamp your passport, I'll let you go, kind of thing. And mm. then someone says, huh, this guy hasn't turned up for work the next week, then it gets, you know, then it gets reported. Eventually they find out, but it's too late. The guy's already in Panama, right? So what are they going to do? Now what they're going to do is they can say, okay, you, you can't come back to, you, to, to China anymore. We're going to ban you from all the Chinese social media. So you can't or, or they, anyone back they say, tell you what, you go, you go to America. Yeah. You, you do, you follow through with your plans. Yeah. And you're going to do what we tell you. You're going to gather intelligence. And if you decline to do these things, we're going to ruin you. We're going to, oh, you know, your sister that still lives here in, in Beijing. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to make sure that she's unemployed and, and homeless. If exactly. You don't, if and, you don't and, do these things, we say, because I and don't, that's why I, I don't want to totally disregard the concerns yeah. that, that Brett Weinstein has about what's going no, on. No, 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 no. Because no. he's a very, you know, he's one of the great minds, one of the great yeah, yeah. open minds that, and, and he's, so just a little bit of background, Brett Weinstein taught at, uh, I believe Portland state university in Oregon. Mm. Mm -hmm. And when the all this uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, the woke culture, when the woke culture began ramping up, the uh, the circumstances were the the university decided that they were going to have a uh, people of color only day at at the college. Out outrageous, completely inappropriate. Yeah, well, Brett Weinstein weird. said, "That's fine that you want to do that. Um, I am going to come and teach my class because." Our students and or their parents and or the federal government are paying for me to teach this class. So I'm going to teach this class. And you can imagine what happened to him. He no longer teaches at the university. 
And yeah. he has sort of taken it upon himself to be a warrior in, in the anti-woke movement. And I don't even like calling it an anti-woke movement because it's just a normal fucking movement. It's a let's be free and continue to be America movement. Yeah, so he's sure. felt yeah. this compulsion to go down to South America on his own dime and yeah. gather intel for the Western world, for anyone that cares to find out that this stuff is going on. So I, I do believe that there is at least some cause for concern. Now, now maybe it's just, as you say, cultural difference that the Western mind can't readily comprehend what these people are going through. But I always revert back to the CCP has total control. We don't know anything about China or the CCP that they don't want us to know about. And I have a hard time believing that nobody would say at the market with no cameras on to Brett Weinstein, like, oh, we're just, we're fleeing the Chinese Communist Party. I mean, wouldn't that be more believable? And why, why wouldn't they? If, 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 here's a point for you. If the Chinese Communist Party wanted to covertly invade the United States through this migrant camp, why wouldn't they tell those people to just, yeah, tell everybody you're just migrants fleeing the CCP? I think because if you wanted to covertly, uh, if you wanted to covertly invade the US, you wouldn't use your own citizens because that by definition is not covert. Like you'd imagine a Chinese person to be a spy if they were going to be one. You wouldn't expect an American to be a spy for, for China. But if you, you and, and that's Canadian. You're, you're making my point. If, if they were really trying to do this, wouldn't they say, tell everyone that you talk to that you're just an immigrant fleeing the oppression of the CCP? Wouldn't that be a great cover story? Or would that be too much? Would that indicate too much weakness on China's part? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, you know, it, the Chinese people understand the CCP better than we do. And they, they probably understand that it's a, not a good, good idea to advertise their position to the press while they're escaping that country. I'd imagine you would probably have a better time talking to them once they get to the US. But when they're in that transitionary period, um, I'm... I'm putting myself in their shoes. I have, I'm a single guy because all of them are basically single and they have little family. Um, well, this is another thing that, that Weinstein goes into in this, in this longer interview. I think it was yeah. 70 some odd minutes long. We played like seven minutes. Of yeah, that. but it's a good point to make because like you said earlier, there are reprisals. And so a lot of these immigrants are going to be people that know that there's the reprisals are very limited because they're single and they've got a bit of money. Well, you with, know, with got, all the benefits and it's more difficult with, with all of the benefits that come. I mean, this was another one of the, the executive orders from Mike Johnson's press release that these uh, immigrants have become eligible for college tuition assistance and mortgages right, right. and general bank loans. So why wouldn't these Chinese immigrants I mean, with money or without money, like just an aside, my wife is still paying for her student loans. Do you think I'm not going to jump in and take advantage of of Joe Biden trying to forgive everybody's student loans? Of course I am. 
Why wouldn't a Chinese national go, hey, you go, go fly down to Cuba and illegally immigrate to the United States so that you can get all of these benefits and go to an American school. And then, and then maybe the CCP interjects and says, okay, now we want all of that information. You give us all that info or you're going to be in big trouble. I guess one of the things on that is becoming a student in a different country is fairly commonplace for Chinese students. I went to school with a lot of foreign students from China. Exactly my point. My school, and that is fairly, fairly common. Chinese people are very educated. They come out of education, then they leave, and then they go somewhere else. That is fairly commonplace. And the CCP doesn't seem to have a problem with that. Actually, they have become more averse to people becoming highly educated. Um, they put a big focus on vocational studies because now they have a bunch of people that are vastly overqualified. I'd imagine a lot of these immigrants that we're talking about are already highly qualified. And so they wouldn't really be interested in going to a school. They're already highly qualified mm. and that's why they make more money in China. And they just want to go somewhere else with their money and start a business or works in a larger corporation whatever they want to do obviously they they want to bring their assets with them um it's just it's very yeah it's a very interesting situation i mean china has completely changed over the last 10 years you know you look at china 10 years ago we wouldn't be having this conversation but in the last 10 years it's significantly changed it's become much more authoritarian it's become much harder on its citizens uh the way that you uh make money has been re significantly reduced We've seen the fall of Evergrande, the world's largest real estate builder in the world. It, it, it like doesn't get bigger than that. And a lot of that was people's savings. People's investments were in that company. People's investments in housing were in that com company, which is the only way you can invest money in China. So you've got to think, if you're a business person, if you're someone with a decent amount of money, what are your options? If you're someone like Jack Ma, you get fucking disappeared and you get your company taken away. If you're someone with uh, a lot of money but not party affiliated, they shun you. They say you can't start a business. You can't do this. And if you're highly educated, they don't want you anyways because they want you to have vocational qualities that you can use in a manufacturing plant. So your options are so limited. It's like, fuck it. I'm, I can't bring my money out of the country the legal way. They will not allow me. I, can't, I physically can't take my money out of the country. So, so my only option is it, to fucking take it out illegally. It sounds like we're, ha we're getting uh, economic migrants from China just as we are from the rest of the world, or at least the Abs rest of... Absolutely, of absolutely. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say the difference, the difference is, is that with the Chinese migrants, you're receiving highly educated, semi-wealthy individuals um, that might be unfriendly to talk about their position on the CCP. Whereas with the other migrants coming from South America, you're getting people that are very, very low um, education. You're getting people that are very low economic status uh, and no checks. So with the, with the Chinese people, it's like, oh, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. And I would always say that, you know, if China wants to influence your country, they're not going to do it with their own people because it's so blatantly fucking obvious. Um, so yeah, they're, they're easy to spot. <laughs> there is so yeah, that's what I mean. It's like you know, if you, if you get like a someone running in Texas that's like a Chinese citizen for like for office, they're never going to fucking win a vote, right? But let's say hypothetically speaking, 
the CCP by some means does a massive donation to Greg Abbott, then that is serious influence. Well, so, and one thing that happens that that just drives me absolutely crazy is yeah. that that will the higher education system in the United States is so corrupt just from from wall to oh, wall. But one yeah, of the same, worst same in our country too. One of the worst uh, elements of of that corruption is that colleges can donate to political campaigns, and colleges only have to declare foreign donations of a certain amount. So a foreign government can donate to a university and that university can donate to a political campaign and it's completely legal. Wow. There you go. Unbelievable. That sounds a lot easier than sending some Chinese guy on a long way around. Right. Through South America. Right. <laughs> you just send you just send money like wire transfer a couple of times and it's insulated. Sounds way easier than sending some, you know, 30 year old, biz, you know, business well, associate. I, I have to say that I was uh, really into the sensation of the idea that China has uh for all intents and purposes, a military camp set up in San Vicente in which yeah, it sounds kind of Hollywood, doesn't it? it? Sounds cool. But that was terrific analysis, mate. And, and I feel like I, I feel much better about the situation and um, still a little bit sort of masochistically enthusiastic about what is going to happen on the border in the future. But you should visit yeah. Vox404.com. Subscribe to this podcast on uh, at, well, all the platforms you'd like. Uh, don't forget to share it and then share it again and especially share it with people that need to know this information. Definitely. Uh, follow us on Twitter, myself, or I should say the podcast because it's, it is me, but it's me doing all podcast business at Earthbox on X. Follow my co-host at 404 missing underscore link. And uh, if you'd like to be involved in the conversation, send an email to the real earthbox at protonmail.com. Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, really great episode. This, uh, I learned a lot, actually. I hope you guys did at home. And uh, it was good to get into a bit of uh, talk about China. It's one of my major uh, focuses at the moment is China and uh, Soviet Russia and that history. So I love talking about that. And um, the next thing you can do is check out the last episode we did if you didn't because that was a really solid um, episode. We were talking about the uh, farmer strikes. Uh, we were talking about, uh, what were we talking about? We were talking about all sorts of stuff. Really good content, really great information. It was, it was content full. We managed to pack it in in about an hour and a half. So see you next week. Talk to you soon.